Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Well, I'm not sure how much meat has been left on the bone for me this morning. <laughs> I was thinking while the Spirit of the Lord was moving, uh, my dad, I was thinking about my dad. My dad, um, he just loved chicken. I mean, he just took love for chicken and a whole nother kind of his own time zone there. And uh, he closed his eyes and he gets annoying on those bones. And when he finished, they were almost bleached white. <laughs> Looked like they'd been out in the sun about 90 days. And uh, I used to tell him all the time, I said, Dad, the dogs are going to bite you if you just throw those bones. You've left nothing there. You've left nothing, not even hardly a cent. And uh, so I'm not sure how much meat is on the bone left here today, but I believe that God can do something in our midst. And uh, I know we have been on a little bit of a roller coaster, our emotions high and low, and we're rejoicing in what the Lord has already done. But can I tell you today, never discount what the Word can do. Don't ever discount what the Word can do. I'm not going to preach today because I've got preacher's itch. But I'm going to preach today because there's a holy mandate upon my life. And uh, I just want to ask you, if you will, you can remain seated, but we're just going to pray and ask God to just settle His Word into our heart. I don't intend to preach all day, but I do want the Spirit of God to just speak something into our heart. So would you join me now? Lord, I love you, and I thank you for the tremendous privilege that you have given us to be here in this house. We are coming to the portion of our service, Lord, that we have always deemed to be the most important part. I'm incredibly humbled, Lord, to have the responsibility and the opportunity to be able to preach your word today and speak it. And so I'm just asking you today to let the word find a place, a resting place, a fertile heart and a mind and help us receive the word. Let us receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. On May the 18th, 1980, an explosion ripped. Uh, 1,200 feet off the top of a 9,700-foot volcano known as Mount St. Helens. Although the mountain had been dormant for the better part of 123 years, within just a matter of moments, an incredible and almost unforeseen power was released. Thousands of tons of volcanic ash were sent in excess of 80,000 feet into the atmosphere depositing volcanic ash as far as 11 states away. The cloud of ash turned day into night in just a matter of moments in the surrounding communities. At the same time, snow and ice and several entire glaciers on the volcano melted. This formed a series of of large volcanic mudslides that reached as far as the Columbia River, which was almost 50 miles to the southwest. The closest communities were virtually immobilized by the four to six inches of powdery substance that fell like a winter snowstorm. 
What once was considered prime hunting and fishing country had been in seconds decimated. Sports Illustrated reported that 26 lakes, 154 miles of trout streams, and 195 square miles of wildlife habitat were destroyed in an instant. In May of 2013, my wife and I had the privilege to visit Mount St. Helens. It was so strange as we began to ride, we were miles and miles and miles from that mountain. And it was so odd against the, the, the contrast, against the landscape of all of those mountains, and then to see Mount St. Helens with about one-third of its top just completely missing. And from our perspective at that point, it just seemed as flat as any foundation you've ever seen. It seems so odd, so out of place, so out of character. For us, here in Florida, opposite corners of the United States, it was just little more than a news story. We read about it. Many of you remember it. I've seen a couple of heads nodding as you recall that moment so many years ago. But in truth, it was just something that blitzed across our newspapers. It was something that was on the evening news and it, and it held our attention until the next headline came. And then we were off to something else and chasing something else. But for the people of this region, it was devastation beyond comprehension. The power from Mount St. Helens is just a small example of the forces that are at work in our universe. The truth is we have not even begun to measure or comprehend the, the measureless power of God's word and his work. Several years ago when we were getting ready to build our house, I asked Brother Rayleigh to come and he wasn't building the house. We had uh, someone else that was building the home, but I wanted it square on our property and with the rest of the road because I'm odd like that. And I knew that he would take extra pains and he would make sure that it at least matched the rest of the world so that I could live out the rest of my days in somewhat peace. So there were a couple of little trees on the corner of what would be the, the uh, southwest corner of our house. There were a couple of little trees that were relatively close to the, to the footer. And so we wanted to save those trees because our bedroom was going to be on that corner. And we thought, well, this will be just really neat because it will provide shade and everything will be, it will, it will be just right. And so we were making sure when we were clearing our property that we kept the ribbons tied around those trees because we didn't want anybody to move them. And so I'm not even sure if Brother Rayleigh remembers this moment in time, but he, uh, he kind of, when we got to that point, he said, you plan on leaving these here? And, and I said, yes. We, you know, we're, I was really excited, you know, a typical homeowner. <laughs> I was really excited about that. I said, do you, you see a problem with this? And he just made a comment similar. I may not have this word for word, but he made a comment similar to this. He said, there is nothing that man can build that can withstand the force of nature. That seemed a little odd to me. Because I can understand that we want to be careful what we're about to do here if, you know, a storm like Katrina is barreling down on us. And and winds uh, that are that are just prevailing, but we're talking about a tree that you can't even see grow. You can't hear it in the process. 
But he had enough knowledge then to realize that it doesn't matter how wide we dig this footer or how deep or how much steel, because that's what I'm thinking. This is concrete. This is steel, and we're going we're gonna to bind all this together. And this tree is going to have to, it's going to have to give way to what we set here. But he was saying, no, no, no. We don't possess the power to build anything that can withstand the force of nature. So where did nature get that force? I believe nature got that force in the book of Genesis when God said, let there be. (laughs) And that spoken word just set that into place. Many times from that conversation till now, I have been amazed and I have been taken back to that little moment in time when I have been into the mountains or in various places and you see those trees that was perhaps just a seed that fell down in a crevice of a rock and because it got just enough water and just enough sun to do its thing, (laughs) it came up through that rock and it pressed away because there's nothing that we can do that can withstand the forces of nature. And so I want us to understand that this morning, we what we have felt in this place, I'm thankful for the music and our singers and I appreciate the, the, the ability, the talent. I'm thankful for the anointing. Amen. What we have felt here today has not just, we've not just been moved by a band. We've not just been moved by harmonious singing. We have not just been moved by the beat of the drum. We have not just been moved by the ivories on a keyboard. But what we have been moved by is the power of the living God. I'm thankful for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It is the power of the gospel to reach this world. From the book of Genesis we know about the creative power of God. And from various other passages, we know about the restorative power of God. In truth, the power of God is unlike anything that we have ever experienced. And if there were a power available to us, it would be tragic if we were unaware of that. If there is a power that can change our lives, wouldn't it be a horrible thing for someone, no one to ever explain that to you and say there's a better way. You don't have to live in the bondage of sin. You don't have to live tethered to the things of this world. Amen. There is a home beyond this home. I will tell you today that... In all of our calendar year, as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, there is not a more pivotal day in Christianity. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the fundamental issue. This is not about eggs. This is not about new dresses or new suits. This is not about our families being together and going out to eat and all of that may be part and parcel of this day. But I want you to understand that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the fundamental issue upon which Christianity either rises or falls. In truth, All of our faith is based upon this significant moment in time. All the signs, all the miracles, all the wonders, all the messages, everything that we have heard, everything that we have given would just fall in the dust. Concerning Jesus Christ, Paul said in Romans 1-4, he said of Jesus, he said he was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. 
He was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. But it all hinged upon one thing. There was an if in the equation. There was just one pivotal knuckle there that would change it all. And that was by the resurrection of the dead. And so I would suggest today, don't ever doubt the power demonstrated in the resurrection of Jesus Christ because that is the key to Christianity. If Jesus Jesus did not raise from the dead, then he was an imposter. If he didn't raise from the dead, then everything he did was no more than some of the seers or the magicians of that day had done prior. Everything that he said would not have been true. Amen. Obviously, a person would have been a fool to have followed such a man. But the great apostle Paul said, without the reality of the resurrection, he said, our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. I just want to put a comma in all of this right now and tell you that our preaching is not in vain and our faith is not in vain. And the reason for that is not because of who's holding this microphone or where you happen to be attending service today, but the reason for that is because there was an empty tomb on Resurrection Day. Amen. Out of that tomb came Jesus Christ. And when he did, it was not just another miracle. It was not just another something to bedazzle the men and women around them, but it was the validation of what happened in Bethlehem's manger. It was the validation of what happened when he was standing in the temple at 12 years of age. It was the validation of what he was doing when he was walking on the water and opening the eyes of the blind and the ears of the deaf. It validated all that Jesus did. (laughs) Amen. Jesus did not raise from the dead then everything we believe is a lie. Again, the validity of Christian of our Christian faith rises or falls on the authenticity of the resurrection. To many people in the world, we as Christians make an amazing claim. Because we claim that Christianity is the only way to the true and living God. I'm going to tell you something. When you start pulling out broad brushes and painting like that, you better know what you're talking about. Amen. And so people say, well, uh, if you claim that Christianity is the only living or the only way to a true and living God, then you must be the most pompous or arrogant person to walk on the planet if you would make such a claim. But can I tell you today, amen, that we are not making that claim out of arrogance. We are not up on a pedestal today crowing and singing our own song, but we are making that claim out of an assurance. Amen. We know that we know that we know know that we know. Amen. A man, a man with an argument. Amen. A, a man that only has an argument is is always going to be at the mercy of someone that has an experience. Amen. I'm going to tell you, there are people here today that have been healed by the power of the name of Jesus. And you know what? You're going to be hard pressed to try to convince them that Jesus is not a healer. There are men and women in this house that have been delivered from alcohol and drugs and tobacco and the ill effects of all kind of vices 
that are in this world. And so you're going to be wasting your breath to tell them that God can't do that. Amen. There are people in this house that have been healed and delivered from emotional scars from their childhood and their past. And you're going to be wasting your breath to try to tell them that God can't heal their emotions because they're here in this house today and their mind is restored, their heart is restored, their spirit is restored. Why? Not out of arrogance, but by assurance. I know that I know that I know. I know him. He has healed me. Praise God. Praise God. Our assurance comes in that regard from many places, but our assurance came from the resurrected Christ. Our assurance came from an empty tomb. And so to be sure, his this moment of resurrection sets him apart from all others. Many had come before Jesus. Amen. And some had come after him. But it was only Jesus that died and came back to life again. Amen. Many have claimed to be this or that, but time marks them down. And time sealed their mouth. And time sealed their fate. And time sealed the truth. Amen. It's important to understand that the resurrection power demonstrated at the tomb of Joseph was simply the culmination of God's plan for a redemption to happen in this world. In fact, the entire life of Christ was a demonstration of the power of God. We see the power of God in every aspect of his life, including his birth. A virgin was conceived supernaturally by the power of God. This supernatural power, amen, from that we saw a sinless man brought into this world. And we also see the supernatural power of God as he stretched his hand out on many occasions to heal and to lift up and to forgive, amen, and to restore. He opened blinded eyes. He cleansed lepers. He cast out demons. He raised the dead, amen, and the list goes on and on and on. And I just feel like I ought to include the words of John here when John reminded us that if everything were written that could be written, that the world would not contain the book. So we're not just talking about my Lord, we're not just talking about a God that healed a blind eye here or a blind eye there. We have no idea, but heaven, amen, eternity will hold the record of just exactly all that God has done when he walked the face of the earth. Amen. His suffering and death was a very dramatic demonstration of God's power working in him. From the cross, the flesh cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. However, on the third day, he came out of that grave victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Amen. The tomb could not hold him. The rock that was rolled against that tomb to seal it all was insufficient for the occasion. This single event, this single event is what sets Christianity apart from all other religions. Amen. I'm going to tell you we need to put our foot on the rock. Hallelujah. We need to drive our tent stakes down and we need to drive them deep. Amen. This is why we say that Christianity is the only true way. Amen. To a God. To a real God. God. When we consider the resurrection of Jesus Christ, something begins to stir in us. I know we all probably have songs that move us and are meaningful at different times, but it's always around this time of the year that the song for me, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. 
because he lives all fear is gone because I know I know I know who holds the future amen I know that because he lives because he lives he's not a God that's distant he's not a God that I just meet here on Sunday he's not a God that when I leave here says I'll see you Wednesday but he's a God I've got in my heart I take him home with me hallelujah he was with me when I laid down last night he was with me when I woke up this morning he's going to be with us no matter where we are no matter where we go he lives what a powerful truth we find in these words he lives such power in the in the universe can't help but to capture our fascination what would it be like to experience that power for ourselves the Apostle Paul was caught up in the same emotion when he said in Philippians 3 and 10, you can follow me on the screen here, Philippians 3 and 10, Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Amen. We not only should desire, but I'm going to tell you we need to experience this kind of power. We shouldn't just long to experience that kind of power. Amen. Like you've always, you, you got probably, most everybody here has got some place you would just love to visit before this life is over. Something you would love to do before, before you check out of this world. Amen. I'm going to tell you that the power of God that I'm preaching about today shouldn't just be something we desire to experience, but it's something we need to experience. And I just feel a boldness in the Holy Ghost today to tell you that once you've ever been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with a baptism of His Spirit. Amen. You can search the world over, but you're never going to find that to satisfy. You're never going to find anything that can replace God. Amen. There's not a party. There's not an event. There's not a this. There's not a that. Amen. That's ever going to take the place of what the Lord has done in our soul. Hallelujah. I don't ever want to get over it. I don't ever want to get away from it. I don't ever want to forget about it. I want to visit it again and again. And again, we need to commit to it again. We need to commit to it again and again. And we need to remember, if this is all right, we need to remember our commitments that we've made in times past. It's the truth. At the risk of being in trouble later, you've, I've got kind of caught up in the service. I'm feeling a little bold and I may dread this later but my wife and I hadn't been married very long and <laughs> kind of went down to this end of the stage if you notice and um, and we got into some kind of little disagreement of some sort I don't remember that's not the important part and uh, it's not even important who was right or wrong but but she was, I will never forget, she was standing at the kitchen sink washing dishes and she was, she was washing dishes like she was feeling. She could have scrubbed the Teflon off the bottom of a pot right there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, back when we got married, we just barely had electricity back then. And, and so we had, we didn't have our, our wedding ceremony video, but we did have a copy of it on a cassette tape. 
And I got the harebrained idea that I would run back and get that tape. <laughs> and, and I fast forwarded it to the place of, you know, the good times, the bad times, and blah, blah, blah. And so while she was washing those dishes hurriedly, I just set that there and I hit play. And I heard her saying, I will. I do. Amen. Wasn't that kind of cool? <laughs> Don't you wish you had thought of that? All of a sudden, I, all of a sudden, I, I saw a smile. Sorry, because she remembered the commitment. And in the remembering the commitment, here's the cool part: she forgot what I did. <laughs> that caused this whole train wreck. Because I am sure I was at the center of all of that that went wrong. Here's what I'm saying. Thank you for letting us just share a little bit of that, darling. Amen. <laughs> Here's the deal. When you can remember your commitment. Amen. You say, I don't know if I can live for God. I don't know if I can come back to Him. I don't know if I can serve Him. I don't know if I can do this again. I feel in the Holy Ghost. I'm not just trying to tell you a cute story. But I'm just telling you, if you will remember your commitment, there's going to be a new strength that will well up in you. Amen. If you remember that night you went down in his name, if you'll just get back to that moment in time, it may be a few years for some, but if you can just get back to that moment in time when you first lifted your hands and God baptized you with his spirit, I just come to tell you in Jesus' name that you can do it again. He'll give you the power to live. He'll give you the power to have victory. He'll give you the power to live for him every day. Hallelujah. Yes, he will. You just need to remember those commitments. We just need to remember that we said, Lord, I'll go with you anywhere. Amen. I'm going to tell you, I was just a young man, but I can remember these young lips saying, God, if you'll give me the Holy Ghost, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. And he's held me to it. But you know what? He said he would never leave me and never forsake me. And he's been good on his word. He's been true to his word. I've been low, but he was with me. I've been high. He was with me. I've been somewhere in the muddy middle, but he was with me. Yes, he was. Praise God. What a mighty God. What a mighty. What a mighty God. Praise God. So we have confidence in the power of God to save us and to keep us. And this is why Paul can speak so courageously and boldly about the gospel. It was the power of God, he said, to salvation to everyone that believes because he lives. We can have power in the gospel message. There's power to save us from sin, power of God. Our human power is limited. We come to the end of ourselves sometimes in our own human power, right? Sometimes we think we have power, but it pales in comparison to God's power. There's no doubt about it that if Jesus Christ could come back from the dead, then he can certainly deal with our sins. Although it is a powerful work in and of itself, we think of how we have violated the commandments of God. Now let's get real here. When we think about how we have violated the commandments of God again and again, and when we think about how we have chosen at times just to do our own thing and go our own way, 
When we think of how our humanity has established ourselves as our own little God and we can do what we will when we will. When we think of how we have allowed God, our hearts, to fall in love with the things of this world and fall out of love with God. Amen. Then you realize that for our hearts to be changed is not a small thing. Charles Spurgeon said, In the deepest sense... It is indeed a work to convert a soul. Indeed. It is a real work to convert a soul. However, he said, if the Niagara could suddenly be made to leap upward instead of forever falling downward, it would not be so much as a miracle as it is to change the perverse will and the raging passions of man. It would be a simpler thing for the Lord to send the Niagara up and set it down than it is to sometimes change the heart of a man. But he has the power to do it. Amen. God is at work wherever the message, wherever the gospel message is being preached. God's at work. God's at work right here. God's been working since we started this service. And God didn't stop working when the music stopped. God's working right now, right in this building. There's several important truths about the gospel that I think are are worth noting, and I want to mention them very hurriedly. But I'm so thankful about the gospel that that is so personable. We're not serving a God that we just kind of feel health in the distance, but we're serving a God that understands exactly what we feel. Oh, I just pray today for a so desire right now at this moment for a much broader vocabulary so I could just be more descriptive in the power of God to be so personal. So personal. We're fearfully, wonderfully made. God knows what you're thinking right now. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have preached, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you had believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. You see, the gospel centers around the fact that we have a personal relationship with God. Don't ever demean that statement. I'm thankful for a personal relationship with God. Amen. The good news of God is that we can be redeemed and our sins can be forgiven and our hearts can be changed. I'm thankful for, um, I'm thankful, I'm just a practical person. And so I'm thankful for a practical gospel. If somebody can say something to me and it makes sense, is that, that, is that all right? Is that fair enough? Not something way out here in the celestials, but just get it down here where it can make sense. The scripture describes the gospel as the power of God for for salvation unto everyone who believes. And, and so to me, the gospel is practical because it doesn't just point out our sins, 
But it does something about our sins. I mean, there's a difference to point something out and then leave it as it is. But the gospel doesn't just reveal our sins and make us feel all awkward and uncomfortable. But the gospel says, and I've got some balm to heal that. (laughs) I can mend your broken heart. I can touch you. I can strengthen you. I can give you what what you need every day to serve me. It saves us and it changes us here and now. The Bible teaches us that we are lost in our sin. It teaches that we are unable to change our own hearts. It teaches that without God's intervention, there is no hope. Amen. And we can see this truth lived out around us every day. You don't have to go to some third world country to see what we're talking about here today. Amen. There are so many people right now in our own community that are living their lives in such despair. No answers. No hope for tomorrow. What a miserable cycle. They can't seem to get out. Amen. The abuse have become the abuser and it just goes on and on and on and on and this cycle can never seemingly be broken. People are indeed hopeless and you want to try to convince me today that they wouldn't respond to somebody like you and I to say, hey, I have an answer. I have hope for your situation. It's not found in me. It's not just found in the name of this church, but it's found in the God of this church. Amen. It's found in the God of this book. Amen. Thank God for the hope of the gospel. Practical hope gives a fresh start. I'm thankful that the gospel can reach across barriers and borders and it can cross time. No person is too sinful. I have no idea how many times in all of our years of ministry I've heard people say, "You just if you only knew where I've been, if you only knew. And so the devil has convinced them that they could never, ever, ever be changed. You just don't know where I've been, preacher. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've, I've, all I've been involved in. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. I don't know. And I don't need to know. I know one who does. Nothing's hidden from him that he can take care of it. Praise God. Praise God. I'm thankful today that the gospel is for anyone who believes. It's for anyone. Anyone. Praise God. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. You you have to, I suppose, try to put yourself in someone else's shoes to understand somewhat where they are walking. We read the resurrection story and we... We read through the crucifixion and the mock trial and all of those things, sometimes so hurriedly because we rush to the resurrection. Because that's how the story ends and we like to get to how the story ends. But if we could just rewind all of this and if we could slip our shoes into the shoes of those that were there whose lives have been completely disillusioned at the moment. If you were to stand at the foot of the cross, and if we could behold the agony of Jesus Christ hanging on that cross, and if we could dare decipher the mumblings, we too would feel lost. How, how 
And if we were to kind of walk up beside them and say, now man, you need to get your dancing shoes on. You need to get ready to rejoice. And they're going to be saying, rejoice? How in the world can we rejoice? In the shadow of this cross. When He is in the tomb and and for all intent and purposes, please don't try to play this story days at a time. Let's just do a few hours at a time. When we wake up the next day and the cross is empty. The tomb is full. And now it's time to find a new normal and where are we going to go from here? And we find one warming his hands around the wrong fire and others have they've just kind of they've just kind of pushed themselves into the background. How can we rejoice in the midst of all this chaos? They heard him say, like Jonah, three days. But it's hard to keep that in focus. It's hard to hold that in your heart when there's so much chaos. I recently read of a a story of a pastor who was getting ready to perform a wedding ceremony. They met at the church the night before. He had met the couple on several occasions and that night something seemed to be odd. There seemed to be a palatable tension in the room. They they went through the rehearsal. They they sang their songs. They they, they everybody was trying to get their part, but he could tell that the bride and the groom were were so distracted. They made their way through that and when the rehearsal was done this young couple said, Pastor, we, we need to meet in your office. And he says, scarcely had the door been shut behind them until the bride just burst into tears. And she just began to sob over and over and over. How can I rejoice at a time like this? How can I rejoice at a time like this? This husband-to-be is holding her in his arms, trying to console her. And finally, they are able to compose themselves long enough to let the pastor know that just today, she found out that the doctor's report from her father had found that he was terminally ill with stage 4 cancer. She said, how can I rejoice today when the man who will walk me down the aisle tomorrow has a death sentence over his head. We rejoice today not because of today, but we rejoice today because of where this path is leading us, taking us. Amen. What a futile attempt it would have been to have gone to those disciples and say, Cheer up, man. Cheer up. How can I be happy? You can be happy because He's in the tomb, but He's not staying there. Let's stand, can we, today? I don't know what kind of questions may be piercing your spirit and soul today. 
you may be wondering, how could I ever be happy? How could I serve the Lord? How could I do... You know, I, I like what I feel here. I, 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 in some cases, perhaps even today, some could say I miss what I feel here today. But I just don't know if I can do it. Yes, you can. You can because He lives. You can because He gave His life for your life. You can because of the hope we find in a risen Savior. Amen. The first law of thermodynamics says that no mass or energy is ever destroyed. It just merely changes forms. For instance, when a piece of wood is burned, we say it's gone. Some of it becomes heat. Some of it just deteriorates to ash. But the truth of the matter is this. It is not destroyed it's just changed. When a lake dries up, we say the water is gone. <laughs> it's not gone. It just changed forms. It's been drawn up into the atmosphere, evaporated, but you just hang on. It's going to come back again in a different form. You see, we look around us today and we just see the physical things and we think of our future, our lives, it's forever this way. No, 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 no. I've just come to preach hope in your heart today and tell you that what you think has been forever stolen, God wants to restore. He didn't steal the water from the puddle. He said, I'm just going to take it and I'm going to use it somewhere else. God is not going to destroy you today. Amen. God is wanting to do something in your life and it's called change. 1 Corinthians 15 and 52 In a moment in the twinkling of an eye the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and Paul said and we shall be changed. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the hand of God that can change us? Amen. I need the church family to do me a favor now. Amen. I need some intercessory prayer. I need some bridge builders right now. Amen. You see, the hand of God wants to work in somebody's life. God is wanting to restore hope. And God is wanting to restore the power of His Spirit in lives. And the enemy is pulling against to distract and dissuade and try to convince that we can never be what we have been. But I've come here today in Jesus' name to tell you that you can be everything you've ever been and more in Him. And more and more and more. Why? Because of the power of His name, the power of the gospel, the power of the gospel. It's not Steve that can change you, but I'm telling you, Jesus can. Amen. Everett can't do anything to change you, but I'm telling you, Jesus can. Hallelujah. Chris can't do anything to change you, but Jesus. Oh, yes, He can. Yes, He can. Yes, He can. Yes, He can. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and our voices together. Can we pray? If you're here in this house and you need anything from the Lord. If you're here in this house and you need anything from the Lord, can I tell you that He is a way maker. He is a home restorer. He's a life builder. He's a heart mender. <laughs> oh, yes, He is. Yes, He is. Yes, He is. Let's magnify the Lord. 
This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.